Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. And I'm going to talk to you about the strategic fight of faith. Do you know that God has a strategy when I say a strategic fight of faith? It's a planned methodology that God has for our lives. You know, a strategy is a game plan. Did you know that? It's a blueprint. And God has a strategy for our life, and it requires strategic faith, pointed faith in a direction to get where we need to go, to have what he said that we could have, and experience our Christianity in a way that he wants us to. And so this strategy that God has for us uh, is really so that we can wage our warfare. You see, when uh, the Bible talks about fighting the good fight of faith, and we're going to turn over there in just a minute, it indicates to us that the fight of faith is a warfare. And if you have a warfare, and if you have a battle, what does that mean? There has to be an opponent, and there has to be an enemy to your faith. And so we're going to look into that. But I want us to, to recognize and realize that you know, the devil, the Bible says, be not ignorant of Satan's devices. Do you know what that word devices means? It's a strategic plan. He has a plan for your life and my life to kill, steal, and to destroy. To stop us, to keep us in lack, to keep us unhealthy, to keep us poor. And we could just keep going and going and going. But that's his strategy. Don't be ignorant of his game plan. But God says on the, in the other way, I have a strategy and I have a game plan for your life. But you see, many people do not enter into it. To enter into this strategic fight of faith that I'm going to talk to you about tonight, you have to again point your faith. You have to use faith. We, we as Christians, we can't just be thoughtless, mindless, wonder, wandering and aimlessly going through life. We need to have the game plan. And to enter into the game plan and, to be, and be effective, you have to have faith. Have the faith of God. Have the God kind of faith. What kind of faith is that? It's the kind of faith that Mark 11 says, you speak to the mountain. You pray, and when you pray, you take what you believe that God has given to you. That's the faith of God. And that's the way God wants us to live, isn't it? So we are to wage the warfare, get into the game plan that God has for us, and stand against our enemies and opponents. And how do we do that? By fighting the good fight of faith. And the Bible says it is a good fight. So I want you to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter number 6 and verse number 12. 
Now, we've referred to it, but we're going to look at it. The Bible says, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. Now, I could read the rest of it, but I'm not going to. That's, that's where I'm going to go. So he said, fight the good fight of faith. So faith is fighting. We, we really don't look at it like that. When you release your faith, when you speak your faith, when you pray and you believe that you receive, you are fighting with your faith. Now, see, we think we fight and, uh, you know, it's just like going into war and we have a, uh, you know, we have a rifle. We have a uh, bayonet, is that what they call them? A knife, you know, whatever. You know, we have all these things and we know that we can fight and enter into the battle and have combat in that way. But the Bible says that the way of the Spirit is not the way that of the flesh. It's not warring with things that we can get our hands on. It's warring in the Spirit with spiritual weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, what we can touch and, and see and all of that in the flesh. That's not, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but our weapons are mighty through God, powerful, explosive, dynamic, to pull down strongholds. What is a stronghold? Well, you know, if you think about if you think about this, uh, it, it, you know, if, if you're reading about medieval times and, you know, even Bible times and, and there'll be a fortress and there'll be a castle and there'll be this fortified area and all of that, you know, that is a stronghold. And they have built that fort, you know, John Wayne and the fort... And it's got the walls all the way around and, you know, the Indians or whoever are after. They can't get in because it's a fortified place where you see the devil has fortified places. Now, I want you to listen to this. He has fortified places and he'll take the fortified place and he'll use it in your life and my life if we will allow him to do that. He'll take and build walls and build strongholds. Now, I want to tell you something, tell you a story. For years, the property that is around us belonged to other people. Even though in the beginning, there was a man and a woman who owned the farm where all this property, and they wrote on the deed. Now, why they did this, because it really didn't mean anything, but it didn't mean anything to anybody legally. Okay, But it meant something in the spirit. They wrote that this property, that they wanted it to be in the hands of God's people for God's work. All of this property on a farm. Think about it. And here we are right in the middle of it. But so over the course of the years, you know, we bought this property, but we needed the property next door and, you know, all around us here. But we couldn't get it. Because there was a stronghold, there was a fortified place, there was a game plan and a strategy that the enemy had that he didn't want it to come into our hands. But now I'm going to tell you, when you wage the war of faith, there is no devil in hell can stop you 
or God's plan. Now, any time that you grow weary, that you faint, and you give up, then it just goes right back into his hands. But I'm going to tell you, it took, I don't know if it was 20 years. I mean, it took a long time for that property. We'd have prayer meetings on Sunday afternoon. We used to have prayer meetings then. And there might be, you know, uh, 30 people. And we'd go out there and hang. Do you remember that, Alberta? And we would hang on that chain link fence and that ugly building over there. And we would call that property and we'd say, you come to us in the name of Jesus. And that was a fight of faith. That was a weapon released to bring into God's hands what he wanted for the ministry here. See, we were not just wanting claiming somebody's property. That property was ours, and God wanted us to have it to do the work of the ministry. I'm not talking about going out here and claiming somebody's stuff that you don't have any business doing. This was by the Spirit of God. But you see, a stronghold had been set up, and it took years to penetrate. And why is that? I don't know why. I don't know all of that. I'm not God, but I do know this. If you fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on something, it's coming to you just as sure as you do it. And God spoke to me the other, just the other night. I was over here praying. And there's, there's another piece of property close to a piece that we have here. And... Tell me why, but these people, now it's right here when you come up the road in our church, you see these people and they throw their garbage out in the front yard. And they pile everything up. And it looks like trash. And I tell you, I don't like that. Because I think that God's house ought to be respected. And it's right here in our doorway. Well, if you don't care about you, care about God's house. But no, you know what it is? It's a weakened spirit that's attached to that thing that was over there. Now, it's not as strong as that one because we, through prayer and the fight of faith, have done the combat, have done the warfare to rip that out and bring it here. But yet, we look across the road and the trashy devil is there. And that's a good word for it, trashy devil. (laughs) But God spoke that to me, and he said, that's a part of that stronghold. But it's weakened. It's not as strong. So you, you pray about that. You pray about that, and I'll give it to you. When I see, don't go next door and tell them I said that. Because I've got a feeling God will tell them. So you just let him do it, okay? But you see, you have to fight that good fight of faith, and then you lay hold. Lay hold of something. Do you know what I'm talking about, about laying hold? You know, here's a Bible tonight. And if I pick it up and get both of my hands on it, I laid hold of it. Okay? Now, I'm going to tell you, when you fight the good fight of faith, you get your spiritual hands on something, and you pick it up, Believe when you pray that you receive it and you shall have it. Take it when you pray. Well, you know, I prayed, but I don't believe that God did anything. 
Well, you're, you're not praying the same kind of prayers I am. Because if you pray and God hears you, he says that you pray to the Father in the name of Jesus and I'll give it to you. That's what my Bible tells me. And so you lay hold of it. So he said, fight the good fight of faith. What does that signify to us? That faith is not a cakewalk. That faith is not easy. That faith is a battle. You know, do you, do you know that you have to battle to keep faith alive in your heart? You have to battle thoughts. You have to combat even what people, you know, you have to combat it. Fight the good fight of faith. I am. I'm fighting sister so-and-so, tooth and whatever. You see, that's not what the Bible's talking about. Fight against your Christian brothers and sisters. Or fight against this neighbor. Or fight against that co-worker uh, or something. You see, when we realize that our warfare is not with flesh and blood. You see, I could get mad at you know, the, the person across the street that's doing the things that they're doing. But I realize that there's something behind it. And they probably don't even know why they're doing what they're doing. And so to fight people is a big mistake because your faith won't work if you get out of love. I'll just tell you that right now. And you know that's true, don't you? We talked about that last time. So, you have to fight to keep your faith. You have to fight to maintain your faith. You have to fight to keep your faith working when circumstances and situations are going on around you. Now, if you look at fight, it'll tell you this. Fight is a knockdown drag out. Have you ever felt like that when you've had to stand in faith and you released your faith and you believe that you receive? It's like you're going through a knockdown, drag out fight. And you may have battle scars and you may have bruises, but you hold on to God through your faith and He'll bring you out of that. You remember the Bible talks about some that went through the fire and went through the flood. He brought them out to what? A wealthy place. And some people who went through the fire, they didn't even smell like smoke. <laughs> now that's something, isn't it? Well, when we get around each other, you know, we're tattered and torn and the smell of smoke is everywhere. <laughs> no, it shouldn't be that way, should it? It's hard sometimes to fight the good fight of faith is hard sometimes. It's not easy. But we need to realize that, well, I prayed. I gave, you know, my $10 and nothing happened. This is a spiritual kingdom that we're in. And we have opponent. We have an enemy. And you've got to use your faith to war against that strategy and game plan that the devil has through faith using God's strategic plan. Amen? All right, so standing in faith is a battle. It's combat. What or who are you fighting against? Like I said, is it your brother and sister in the Lord? Is it your husband or your wife? Is it your children? Is it that terrible boss? 
You know, what is it? It's an opponent and it's an enemy. It's the devil and his demon powers. And they try to stop us. They try to block us at every side. But you know, finally, he's going to see if he can't stop you. You know, you cannot be stopped. Then he will realize that you've got the Lord on your side. You don't have to fear him. And you can go forward in him. Amen? All right. So faith is a weapon tonight, and we need to aim that weapon, and we need to use it. Amen? All right. Um, if, you, if you aim your faith, and you fight the good fight of faith, you will come out to the position of being a winner. You will win. See, the Bible already said that we win. That's already been declared. Uh, one translation says that the devil has been paralyzed. Do you know how he was paralyzed? Jesus, when he went to the cross and died, shed his blood and was raised from the dead, stripped the enemy, stripped principalities and powers, and made what the Bible says an open show, an open display for all to see. He is defeated. He's been brought to zero, to naught. He's been paralyzed. Well, then why isn't he paralyzed in a lot of Christians' lives? Because they give him place. Give no place. You and I, many times, I mean, you know, let's face it, we give the devil place. You know, uh, the Bible uh, uh, talks to us about strife and division and, you know, cliques and, you know, on and on and on. But what do we do? We let the flesh rule. And so we cater, as the Bible says in Roman, cater to the flesh. Here, you know what you do when you're catering, you know, bring your truck. Here, have some, have some. You, we just go to the devil. We're just catering to him. What do you want to do to me now? What is it? You know, we're catering to the flesh. But he said, walk in the spirit and you won't cater to the flesh. Well, I'm trying my best not to cater to the flesh. No, don't stop doing that. Start Doing the Word and walking in the Spirit, Emily. That's what we have to do, isn't it? Walk in the Spirit. And you will not cater to the flesh. Or, or you will not fulfill, as the Bible says, the lusts of the flesh. Amen? All right. We have to lay hold of some things. Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold... Now, this scripture in Timothy, Timothy says, 1 Timothy 6, it says, lay hold of eternal life. See, we have to lay hold of it. How do we lay hold of it? With our faith, believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, that He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Amen? But then we have to lay hold of other things. Now, I'm going to tell you. We have to lay hold of the plan that God has for our life. Wishing and hoping is not going to get us there. We have to lay hold of it by faith. You know, as I look at my life, I figured that 
my purpose and my plan was going to be different than what it is. But you know what? In, in the last years, I've come to the place where I do this. I don't know if y'all understand this, but when I go before the Lord, a lot of times I'll go and I hold my hands open like this. And a lot of times I'll hold my hands open and I'll say, God, I'm just ugly to that person today here. You know, help me, take this. Or I'll say, God, I thought you had this plan and this purpose for me, but now, look, I'm not even anywhere I thought I was going to be. But you know what? Here it is, Lord. Here's this life of mine. And I accept whatever it is. It may not be what I thought it would be, but Lord, I accept. I accept my destiny. I accept the plan. Even though it may not be what I think the plan ought to be. But how many of you know that God knows you and He knows what you need to be doing? I don't understand it all, but I still... Here, Lord, here it is. See, God has a plan for your life, and it takes faith to get you there. God has an inheritance for you. You know that. He has an inheritance. But how many of us are living below our inheritance? You know what your inheritance is. Your inheritance is you are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, that you are seated with Christ. There is, you are a king and a priest under your God. You reign in life. You have health. And he, well, I don't have that. Well, yes, you do. And you can, you can lay hold of it, as we're talking about, through the faith, the fight of faith in what God has given you. See, you have an inheritance. You have a blessing. You are blessed with faithful Abraham. And you've been blessed to be a blessing. See, blessing in our inheritance just doesn't come to us so that we can be blessed and consume it. See, some people... Well, you shouldn't be talking about that. Yes, I should because it's the truth. But I'll tell you this. When I talk about it, I want it to be like Fox News, fair and balanced. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? You need to know that you are not blessed to consume it upon yourself and to turn inward and selfish. But we are blessed to be a blessing. I look for opportunities. And, you know, one, one scripture says out of the Amplified, be mindful to be a blessing. In other words, have it on your mind and in your heart. Today, I'm going to be a blessing to somebody. I'm going to be an answer to someone's prayer. Instead of living selfishly, I like things just like you do. You know, I, I'm a woman. I like shoes and jewelry. Somebody said, oh... Um, you know, whatever, whatever. But you know what? I don't like that more than I love Jesus Christ. I'm a person and I'm human, just like you are. We like stuff. But we don't like stuff to the point to where stuff has us. I told you this story before, years ago, before we started in the ministry and we headed out to California for Eddie to go to seminary. We sold our home and through that process, we were able to enter the ministry and do the things, you know, that we did. 
But I can remember standing in the den of that home right in front of the fireplace, Eddie and I together, and we just hugged each other, and I was boo-hooing like you wouldn't believe. I mean, I was sobbing. It was coming out of here. And now I realize God was pulling that ugly thing out of me because my house had me instead of me having the house. And see, your things can have you. But God said, I want to bless you so that you will be a blessing. Well, I don't have very much. Well, take what you have because all of us are at different places. But I can tell you this. I didn't start wanting to be a blessing when I had more. I wanted to be a blessing when I didn't really understand a lot of things because I had the nature and heart of God and God is a giver. Jesus Christ is a giver. He gave His own life. God gave His only begotten Son. And so if we have the character and nature of God, then we are givers. You know, it's like Eddie telling you Sunday about that young woman that, you know, we were walking into Home Depot. He was helping me with my project. And we're walking in there and, you know, just kind of chit-chatting, you know, not even thinking about anything. And here this car just drives up beside us. And, you know, they're just, we're walking and they're here. And finally, I guess she gets courage, this young woman. She's probably, she looked younger than my daughter. And, and she is there. And she said, you know, she said, I just want you to know I need help. And she said, I... These are my words, you know, I don't know verbatim what she said. But, but I need help. I have this, I have my little son in the back seat. I've scraped up 90 cents, and that's all I have. And I've got to get to so-and-so, you know. And she said, I've been sitting here in the parking lot, not knowing what to do. And I've got to have some help. Can you help me? Well, yes. I am mindful. Eddie is mindful to be a blessing. Pull it out, give it to him. You know, but if, I, if we hadn't had it there to give it, then at least I would have prayed. Lord, help this young girl. Somebody, you know what I'm saying? Be mindful to be a blessing. So God wants to bless us. He wants us to lay hold of those blessings. He wants us to lay hold of our inheritance that we have in Him. Amen? And not forget it. And don't lay it down because you get tired and weary. Or because you've lost a battle. Or because you've laid down your guns. Your faith gun. Everybody get your faith gun out. That's what this is. It's your faith gun. Amen? All right. Romans 10, 17, turn if you will. So it's a very familiar scripture to most of us, I'm sure. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God says, I give you the weapon of faith and it comes to you when you hear my word. Tonight, faith is coming. Now, the Bible does say in one, I think it's Hebrews, that faith did not profit them, not, or the Word did not profit them, not being mixed with faith. So you can hear the Word and not get faith. But when the Word comes, you can have faith 
if you want it. Amen? You can have it. It can be there for you. So faith comes. How does it come? By hearing. When you read your Bible, faith comes. When you listen to the preaching of the Word of God, faith comes. When you turn your TV on and they're ministering and they've got the Scripture, faith comes. When you're listening to a song that is scriptural, faith comes. So out there, faith is is out there. And God is making it available. And faith comes and you lay hold. Amen? The Bible says in Psalms 119.13, The entrance of my word brings light. It gives light. So when God's word comes... There might be darkness, cloudy, you know, inability to perceive, to have, to understand. But the light comes and the darkness dispels and goes. Amen? My word gives light. So, really we could say this. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So we can say a lack of faith comes because we... Don't hear the Word of God. Have you ever been in a time in your life where you feel very weak in faith? I have. You feel like if you have to fight a battle, you're not really equipped. If you have, you know, the enemy come against you or a situation or circumstances that might come up that would be difficult, you wouldn't be ready for it. Have you ever felt like that? We all have been that way. But God doesn't want us to have a lack of faith. He wants us to be full of faith. And even He wants our faith to grow exceedingly. Not just get a little dabble, do you? He wants us to grow in our faith. And faith that flourishes is a faith that feeds on the Word of God. Now... I just tell you, you know, I don't spend every waking moment of my time in the Bible. Do you? Because if we did, we would never do anything. Or I don't spend it praying all the time. Because if we did, we'd never do anything for the Lord. Okay? But you have to have a good, steady diet of the Word of God. Just like you need... Three meals, balanced, right? No cake and junk food and crystals and, you know, all that stuff. You need balanced. You see, you need balance in the Word of God, too. Did you know that? You just don't study the same thing all the time. Now, I'm not saying a minister that's got, you know, a, an area of expertise and that's what they... I'm not talking about that. But, but still, you can't exclude all the rest of the Word of God, even at that, you know. But you need to be balanced in the Word of God. And you know, that's what I really appreciate about Eddie, my husband. I really appreciate that he is very well balanced in the Word of God. Now, he's got areas where the Lord uses him and he excels in that, but yet he's very balanced in the Word of God. And you see, if you get out of balance then you start doing squirrely things. You start doing what we call flaky things, and then we label you at... No. (laughs) 
flake. <laughs> Would all the flakes lift their hand? No, you're not going to do that, are you? Because we don't have flakes. We have fair and balanced, right? All right. So, a lack of hearing God's word will cause us to have weak faith. Okay? And that weak faith, when the fight in life comes, you know, then we can't do what we need to do. Amen? So we need to constantly read and listen to the Word of God, which is the gospel, the good news. Aren't you so thankful that it's good news? He didn't say, listen to the guilt and condemnation preachers. You know, some preachers are really good at putting people under guilt and condemnation. You know, the Spirit of God can move sometimes, and He might convict and convince, that's for sure. But you know, when you have a steady diet of guilt and condemnation, do you know that you can never do anything for the Lord because you're too beaten down? You have no confidence. Come boldly to the throne of grace. You couldn't do that. You'd crawl. You know, when you're beat down, you have guilt and condemnation. Amen? All right. Um, what time is it? I've got a few more minutes. Let's look at Romans 5. Um, we could read all around this, but I'm going to read for time's sake. I'm just going to look at verse number 17, Romans 5, 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one. Now who would this one person be that death came into the world? Adam. Through what Adam did, he brought death into the world. And so God looked at that, and he saw that, of course, Adam being led astray. What is that? Hmm. Being led astray, and he, well, I shouldn't even say it that way, because really he just plunged into it, didn't he? But he got off course, and because he did that, death came in. So God looked at it and he said, okay, to, to straighten this, to fix this, I've got to do something. Okay, now let's look what it says. Adam brought death. Much more, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. So death came by Adam, but reigning in life and the gift of righteousness came through Jesus Christ. Who did it come for? The special ones. No, it came for each one of us. He said that we would receive the abundance of grace. I love how that says that. God, even though, you know, we may be sinners... We may be a mess. We may be a basket case. We may just have all these problems. God says, I'll fix that for you. I'll restore to you. I've got an abundance of grace. Abundance. You know, if I cook a meal 
and I fix, let's talk about food, okay? If I fix fried chicken, mashed potatoes and gravy and biscuits, forget those vegetables, folks. <laughs> no, we'll sprinkle some fried okra in there. Fried okra. And somebody said, yeah, I'll get the witness. And green tomatoes, fried green tomatoes. And then on top of that, we're going to have some blackberry cobbler. Woo! See, we, get, we shout about that. <laughs> now, we're going to be starving. And Alton's over there gritting his teeth thinking, how unhealthy, how unhealthy. <laughs> but it sure is good. <laughs> okay, and let's just say I've cooked all of that up. And I mean, on that table, I have enough for 20 people to come over to my house and eat. I've got all of that ready. You know? Yeah, so y'all be there. Okay, so, and maybe, you know, I have five people over, okay? I have five people over. Well, I got a lot more food, don't I? I have an abundance of food. I can ask other people to come and, you know, partake of that and enjoy that. Well, you see, that's what God does. He sets the table. He has that table spread where the saints of God are fed. Isn't that right? And he has an abundance of provision, an abundance of grace that is provided for us. And that grace says, you might have been dead because of your trespasses and sin, but you can reign and experience this abundance of grace through Jesus Christ and reign right now in this life. He didn't say reign when you get to heaven. He said, reign in this life. What does a king reign? See, we don't know a lot about kings, you know, because in, in our day and time, kings are not really uh, prevalent, you know. And if they are, they don't have much authority, right? If we know of a king, they don't have much authority. But in that day, a king had great authority, and what he said and spoke had power. What he did had power. And so you see, that's the kind of king that God wants us to be, one that has the authority and the power. Why? Because we're such hot shots? No, because he brought us in. And he gave us, that it talks about here, the gift of righteousness. So righteousness is a free gift. Isn't that wonderful? Think about it. Now, if we went out here on the street and there was a homeless person and they were on the side of the road, I know everybody in here that we'd have compassion on them. I know that we would. But I want you to just imagine what Jesus would do. He takes that tattered and worn person, worn out, weary person, and he brings them in off the street and he washes them up with his blood. He forgives them. He cleanses them. And then he goes and gets a robe and puts it on that person. You know who that person is? It's me and you. We're that homeless person. We're the person in sin and trespasses. And Jesus 
said, I give you a gift of righteousness. I make you a king. And I tell you, you're going to reign in life. You see, but what does the devil try to do? This is where the good fight of faith, he tries to rob you. He tries to get you under guilt and condemnation. When a, you know what you said to your husband yesterday. You know what you did to your kids. You know how ugly you've been at work. You know, I want to tell you, if you go into the Father, into the throne room, and you've got those hands out like I told you I go in sometimes, here I am, God, I've been ugly today. I said such and such. I lost my temper. You know, whatever it is, bring it in there. Here, God, you already know it. I'm not trying to cover it up. But I'm telling you, this is a powerful truth right here. Let's read it again. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign, be a king in life by one Jesus Christ. In other words, it took one to bring in the curse and it took another to destroy the curse and bring in the blessing. And now God calls you and he tells you to fight the good fight of faith and you can do it and not have to be condemned about your past, about what you did yesterday if you repent of it. Now I'm going to tell you, if you carry that stuff around and don't repent, you're not going to get anything from God. You're not going to be reigning as a king and I'm not going to be reigning as a king. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess, this is for the Christian. This scripture is for the, uh, the Christian. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you and then cleanse you from what? All unrighteousness. And then you get back the righteousness in the right standing with God, in other words. That's what it's talking about. You get back in right standing, and then when the devil or people come to try to condemn you, well, you're not going to get that. You've been believing for that, but you might as well forget it. You're too ugly. You're too nasty, you know. But you say, I have the abundance of grace. I have the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, and my sin is under the blood. Amen? Now, you can't presume on God's grace, so I don't want to leave anybody with that impression. You can't presume on God's grace. You know what I'm talking about. You do things, act ways, you know what you're doing when you do it, and you repent, but you have no thought of doing things differently. You know, you not going to work for you, I'm sorry. Revelation is flowing. Well, did you know it or not? Okay, I thought you did. All right. So, when do you reign as a king, and a, a king under the Lord? When? Now, in this life. All right. How do you reign? Through Jesus Christ. Everybody say that. Through Jesus Christ. It's in Him you move in Him you live, and in Him you have your being. Outside of Him, we go back to the tattered, homeless person on the street. It's in Him, and we better remember, it's not us. It's not our great gifting, because all it takes is that anointing to just 
be lifted, and there we stand, naked. You know what I'm talking about, naked in ourselves. We have nothing without him. So we see, when do we receive it is now. How do we receive it? Through and in Jesus Christ. And it comes to us by the gift of righteousness. Righteousness is a gift that God gives. So we're to reign in life through him, aren't we? Are we reigning? Or have we been pulled off the throne? Has our chair been taken, seated with Christ in the heavenly places? See, we need to ask ourselves that. You know, this is not a bunch of hype that we're talking about. This is the reality of the Word of God. And I can remember when I started learning these things, <clears throat> and it was like, you know, we talk about a kid at Christmas with a new toy. You know, it was that kind of thing. I mean, it was just like, shout and rejoice. Hallelujah. Can you believe this? What have I been listening to all these years? What have I been believing? Nothing. I've been believing nothing. Now, I'll just, my dad was a good preacher. But I wasn't believing anything because I didn't know you could. I thought that if I just held out until the end, and sometimes that was a little shaky. You know, if I thought if I held out to the end, when I go to heaven, then everything will be okay. But God said, no, use your fight, faith, fight the good fight of faith, use it now, reign as a king, get what belongs to you in your inheritance and your blessings. Fulfill God's call on your life. Be a blessing to someone else. Sow your life into this spiritual kingdom and make a difference in this world. Can you say amen? Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.